Powerful teaching and preaching from Dr. David Bernard, United Pentecostal Church International General Superintendent. While you're standing for a moment, I'd like to go to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 11 and verse 32. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It's a prophecy, and I think it has an application for us today. Daniel 11:32 says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. This is talking about an evil king. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to preach today people who know God. There are a few people like that here today. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to preach for a few minutes, but I just want to say it's amazing. I was just thinking, Brother Foster, over the years how God weaves things together. And there are so many people in this church that we have some kind of connection to, but but he mentioned uh, Brother Al Bernay here. Well, back in 1992, my wife and I were starting a church in our, in our home. We started our home in Austin. And uh, the first few people we baptized in our swimming pool. We bought a house that had a pool. And so we would baptize people in the swimming pool. In the wintertime, it got kind of hard to do that. And they had an old hot tub. So we got a in the backyard. So we got that fixed up. And that became my, our second baptismal tank and we had a rented building for four years but it didn't have a baptistry so we'd baptize people in our backyard and then after four years we built our first building and our second building now there's a a beautiful building of about a hundred thousand square feet on 12 acres of land on north Mopac so if you go to Austin you'll see New Life Church if you drive on Mopac and so God has blessed that church and out of that church now there are about 20 churches but in 1992, when we were still baptizing in the swimming pool, one of the first converts we baptized was Doris Todd. And she is, I think, the mother-in-law of Al Bernay, and she received the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? She had a modeling agency, and uh, we had some kind of connection. She came, and, and God did a wonderful work. Well, then... Of course, going back even further, I'm looking at the Olivers, and uh, your mom this, the, and dad, the Samuels, back when I was a student at the University of Texas Law School, so this would be right around 1979 or 80, I taught them a Bible study. Now, I taught Sister Samuels the Bible study, of course, she wasn't sister back then, and uh, Sue and, and Dave was, did not want to have anything to do with it. Um, because he was this military guy, and he didn't need this. But we sat in the other room, and I would mix. Uh, I was raised in Korea. My parents were missionaries, so I spoke Korean fluently. And so I was teaching the Bible study in Korean, but I would mix it in English, too, just in case. And he told me later he would sit in the other room acting like he wasn't participating, but he would listen to the English, and God got a hold of his heart, and both of them ended up getting in the church. Praise God. So if the Olivers are doing a good job, I'll take a little bit of credit. But if they're not doing a good job, well, it's not my fault. That was a long time ago. 
She was just a kid or maybe not even born yet. I don't know. She was just a little kid, I think. Yes, all right. So isn't it amazing how uh, God works and how we're a family and one little prayer that you pray, one little Bible study that you teach, one little soul that you influence, you never know the long-lasting results for the kingdom of God and even into eternity. What you do for the Lord now, you will see the results in heaven. Things you don't even know. There are probably other connections that we have no clue. But God keeps a record. And one of the wonderful things about heaven will be finding people that you didn't even know or that you forgot about and your efforts were not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. Now in the text today, the book of Daniel chapter 11 is a prophecy and likely it refers originally to what we call the intertestamental period. There's a time after Daniel in the history of Israel before the New Testament where there was an evil king named Antiochus Epiphanes who, from Syria who marched into the Holy Land and conquered it. And he tried to set himself up as God. The word epiphanies means God manifest. So he gave himself this title that he was God manifest. He went into the temple in Jerusalem, into the holy of holies, and desecrated, sacrificed a pig on the altar. It was this horrible thing called the abomination of desolation that Daniel talks about. It was one of the terrible things in Israel's history. As a result of that, the Jews revolted. And they threw off the conquerors and they had a time of independence until the Roman Empire came in. But that wasn't the end of that prophecy because in the days of Jesus, he spoke about a future abomination of desolation. In other words, he said Daniel's prophecy was not completely fulfilled, but there is a future king that will do much the same thing, even in a greater measure. And we think of that person as the Antichrist. And we associate that with the events of Revelation, the end time, and we think that's still to come. But even in the New Testament, the, in 1 John, it says the spirit of Antichrist is already here. So we're not looking at Antioch Epiphanes of uh, 2,000 years ago, and we don't yet see the Antichrist of Revelation, but yet that spirit is already working. That anti-God, anti-Christ spirit that evil spirit that's trying to persecute the people of God, that's already here. Because if you stand up for truth, if you just try to live a godly life, a holy life, you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be persecuted. You may be spoken of as a hate-filled, bigoted person when all you're wanting to do is follow the teachings of God's Word. And so we see in our own culture this attack against the people of God. And so I think this prophecy not only applied to the intertestamental period, not only applies to maybe what's going to happen in the future, but we're battling that same kind of spirit today that would try to persecute the church of God or ridicule us, marginalize us, make us irrelevant or intimidate us or cause us to compromise or backslide. Well, what's the remedy for that? Here's the remedy. You've got to know your God. You must have a relationship with God Almighty. The people who know their God will not be intimidated. But the people who know their God will rise up and they will do exploits. They will do great things for the kingdom of God. They will firmly resist evil and they will do what God has called them to do. Praise God. 
There are different translations if you look at it. It talks about they will do exploits or they will firmly resist evil. So here's how we overcome the spirit of the age in whatever age we live in. We must know our God. We must know what kind of God He is. People who know God. It doesn't merely mean know about God as a historical figure. It doesn't mean just studying God in a history book or a literature book. You must have a relationship with God. In Acts 19, there were seven Jewish men and they'd heard about the ministry of the Apostle Paul and they found a man who was demon-possessed. So they went up to him and they decided they were going to imitate the Apostle Paul. So they said, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. They thought just having the name was like a magical formula, but it's not. And so the demon spoke out from that man and said, Jesus, I know. The powers of evil respect and know the authority of the name of Jesus. So I'll just say in passing, if you're in, in the, your bed in the middle of the night and suddenly you feel a heavy oppression or attack or an evil spirit, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. What you just say is, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. And whatever sickness or disease or oppression or attack or attempted possession, you can overcome it by the power of the name of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. People that know God. People that know the name of God. Don't just know about God. They know God. Hallelujah. So the demon spoke out, Jesus I know. And Paul I know. Don't let the devil fool you. The demons know the people of the name. When you walk in, you might just be an ordinary person. But if you're asked to go pray for a friend or a relative, or you walk into a, a house to teach a Bible study, you don't have to be a preacher, but you know God. I'll tell you what, the demons not only know Jesus, they know you. So whatever situation you find yourself in, don't be intimidated. The devil knows who you are because you, you have the name of Jesus. And so the demon said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. They knew the name, but they did not know the significance of the name. They could call the right name, but they did not have a relationship of their own. And so... The demon-possessed men leaped upon them, beat them up, stripped them of their clothes, and they fled for their lives. That's people that know about God. There are a lot of church people. There are a lot of religious people. There are a lot of church buildings in Dallas, Texas. And I appreciate everybody who in any way, shape, or form tries to preach the Bible or Jesus Christ is Lord. But there's a big difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. We know there's one true and living God. And we know God was manifest in the flesh in the name of Jesus. Jesus is more than just a man, more than a prophet, more than a martyr for truth, 
more than an agent of God, more than a second God, more than a demigod, but he's the almighty God manifest in the flesh. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the rock of our salvation. He is the light of the world. He's the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. He's the bread of life. Hallelujah. He's Jesus, our King, our Judge, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus. Oh, I'm glad I not only know about Jesus. I'm glad I know Jesus. I'm glad I'm not only heard that Jesus is a alive but I'm glad I know he's alive because he filled me with his spirit oh people who know God you don't have to be intimidated you don't have to be discouraged you can take charge because you are people who know God hallelujah we must know our God so yes the spirit of antichrist is already working but the good news is the spirit of God is working so I choose not to focus on the negative of what's happening in our world. I choose to focus on the positive. Whenever you see sin increasing, that's sad and that's discouraging and you need to pray against it and you need to try to rescue souls that are caught up in it. Don't hate them. Don't attack them. If they're living in wrong lifestyles, it's not our job to hate them or, or, or persecute them. We love them no matter what. Somebody walks in the church, they live an alternative life, or they're addicted to some kind of drugs, or so what? You just treat them like you would everybody else. They're a human being, same as you and me. We love them. We're not trying to ostracize them or persecute them, but we just want them to know Jesus Christ. The same Lord that saved us will save them. The same Lord that gives us power to overcome sin will give them power to overcome sin. The same Lord that gives us a new life will give them a new life. And so God is working. But if we want to see God working, we must know him. To know him means we know his character and attributes. That's what kind of God he is. His power and authority that he really does have power to deliver, to forgive, to transform to know him, we know how to connect with him. We know how to call upon him. Did you know whatever situation you find yourself in, if you will call the name of Jesus in faith, then he is as close as the mention of his name. He will be right there. Many years ago, my wife and I were traveling from Austin to St. Louis, and we were going through Oklahoma, we only had our two little boys at that time. Our daughter hadn't been born yet. We're in this minivan. The boys were asleep in the back seat. It was December, and all of a sudden, we got caught in an ice storm, and there we're on the freeway sliding on ice. It's a dangerous situation, so I was slowing down and trying to be careful. The problem is other people don't slow down. And so there was a, a truck that whipped past us, High speed whipped in front of us. He lost control. There was an 18-wheeler, lost control. And I can remember, you know, when you get in those situations, you, it's like time slows down. You can remember every detail. And I remember watching that 18-wheeler going back and forth across the two lanes of the freeway. And I'm thinking, I'm going to hit this guy in just a minute. I need to put on my brakes, but if I put on my brakes, I lose control. So I don't know what to do. 
And so I waited to the last possible moment. I finally hit the brakes, so I lost control. And in that split second, I knew we were getting ready to crash into the 18-wheeler, and I was just thinking, I hope my boys don't get killed. That's what I was thinking. Right when that happened, my wife looked up, and there's not time for three days of fasting and prayer. There's not time to call the pastor and get advice. There's not time for a Bible study. There's not time to find a prayer book and figure out which prayer fits the occasion. You know, there was only time for one thing. What do you think she did? Jesus! So you have to know your God. You have to know how to get in touch with Him. You can't wait a day to figure out how to get a hold of God. You have to get a hold of God right now. You have to know Him right now. You have to be on a first name basis. Jesus! And instantly, I watched it happen. The 18-wheeler slid off the road, jackknife, but didn't overturn. Nobody got hurt, and the way was clear. And I was able to regain control and just continue on as if nothing happened. One second, it seemed a crash was inevitable. The next second, the way was miraculously clear as if nothing happened. Now, Brother Foster, being the great spiritual leader that I am, I just blurted out, what luck. And my wife said, no, that was God. What do you think? People who know God. So we've got to know him for ourselves. What happens if you know God? The Bible says you'll be strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. You might be weak in your own abilities. You might be weak in your own understanding. You might be a new convert. You might know just a little bit about truth. But if you know Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, you took on the name of Jesus. If you received the Holy Ghost, you've got God's Spirit inside of you. So don't be intimidated. You can be strong when temptation comes. You don't have to give in. When trouble comes your way, you don't have to fall if somebody has questions you can't answer you can still God can speak to you and give you the right words to say be strong the people that know God they'll be strong and they will carry out great exploits I'm not talking about depending on our ability now let me say we should study we should learn we should grow you do need to enroll in a discipleship course. You do need to train. You need to read the Word of God. You need to pray every day. And if you get involved in some form of ministry, there are times you're going to have to study and you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to go the extra mile. If you're going to be a musician, you've got to invest time in that. If you're going to be a Bible study teacher, you have to invest time in that. So I'm not disparaging all that. But what I'm saying at the end of the day, don't depend on your abilities. And don't be intimidated if you don't have the same abilities that somebody else has. Because you know God. So the people that know God are going to be strong. The people that know God are going to do great and mighty works. You may not be a public speaker, but God can give you a testimony where you can talk to somebody. 
You can sit down in somebody's home and share a Bible study. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have extraordinary ability. You just need to know God. Now, it may take some study and some practice and some learning and some growing, of course. But you have this inner confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can win a soul. I can disciple a person. I can pray their prayer of faith for somebody to be healed. Because that doesn't depend on any abilities. It doesn't depend on a title. It just depends on knowing God. People who know God. Specifically, Jeremiah chapter 9 gives us further insight into this. If you try to boast of your great ability, you're going to get in trouble. But if you boast of God's great ability, you're going to be all right. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So, if God has blessed you with a college education, that's great. But don't brag about that. Just use what you learned for the glory of God. If you have extraordinary physical strength and talent, maybe you're a mechanic, maybe you can do some things that others can't do, maybe you're a computer program, that's great. But don't brag about that. Just use it for God's kingdom. If you're wealthy, if you've been a blessed, blessed with abundant wealth beyond average, don't brag about that. Don't think you're better than anybody else. But use it to support the kingdom of God, support missions. God can use all those things. I'm not against them. But what the scripture says, don't brag and boast and glory in what you can do or what you have. Don't estimate your self-worth by these things that the world would try to use. But if you want to brag, there is a way you can brag. Verse 24, let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So if you're a multimillionaire, don't come up to me and say, I just want you to know I'm a multimillionaire. No, what you should do is, Brother Bernard, I just want you to know, I love God, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, and I'm with you. I'm with you, Pastor Foster. If you want to brag, go ahead and brag. I know Jesus. I know God. Don't come and brag and say, I've done this and I've done that and I've accomplished this and I've accomplished that. You just say, I have the Holy Ghost. I know Jesus. I love God. I'm part of the church. I'm with you, pastor, all the way. And God will use your talent or your money or your resources or whatever. But if you want to boast and brag, brag, I know the Lord. I know a name that will work. When you talk to your coworkers and your friends and your neighbors and your relatives, you don't have to brag about your great accomplishments. You can just say at the right time, well, I do know Jesus. I do know someone who can help us. Would you like to pray right now? I do know someone who can heal. Would you like to pray? I do know someone who can restore broken homes. I do know a church. I do know a pastor. I do know a God. I can introduce him to you. He says, brag in this, boast in this, glory in this, that you understand and know me. And then specifically, I'm the Lord that exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. So just for a moment, if you're going to really know God, have a relationship with God, and do the work of God, you have to know what kind of God he is. He's a God of loving kindness. 
So let me, I'm, I touched on that a moment ago, but we've got to get this deep in our system. Because we are Christians. We do believe in right and wrong. And the world will attack us for that. We've got to go the second mile to say, look, we love people. I don't care if, if you come to Dallas First Church, you should love black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Spanish-speaking, English-speaking. You can't have prejudice or hatred or racism or bitterness or anger in your heart towards anyone. You can't be self-righteous, think you're better than everybody else because you're saved. No, that's not right because God is a God of loving kindness. So what do we do if someone who's an alcoholic comes in? What do we do if someone who's dealing with uh, same-sex attraction or transgenderism and what have you? We just treat them and love them like everybody else. That doesn't mean we approve of a lifestyle that's contrary to Scripture, but that means we accept people as people who are created in the image of God for whom Jesus Christ died. We have to have the same attitude towards souls that God has towards souls. He says, if you're going to boast in me, you have to know what kind of God I am. I'm a God of loving kindness, mercy, grace. So we've got to get that firmly in mind. But he doesn't stop there. Some people stop there. Well, God's God of love, so he loves everybody. True. That means he lets everybody do whatever they want. doesn't matter. False. You'll see this. What if you go up on a mountain and you jump off? You say, God's God of love, so he will help me ignore the law of gravity, and I'll be okay. No. You're going to crash and burn and die. Even though God loves you, you broke the law of gravity. You suffer the consequences. Well, there are spiritual laws the same way. If you live a life of sin, sin damages you. Sin destroys you. Ultimately, sin will separate you from God for eternity, which is called the lake of fire. So even though God loves you, he's not going to save you when you break the laws of the, uh, of the, of the universe, which is if you're going to serve God, if you're going to have fellowship with God, it must be on the basis of holiness. So you can't ignore the law of sin and say there aren't going to be any consequences. No more than you can ignore the law of gravity and say there won't be consequences. And so that's why God says, I'm a God of loving kindness, judgment, or justice. So don't confuse God's love with saying that he eliminates justice. Now, at the basic level, we understand this. If someone molests a little kid, should we say, oh, well, let's just forget about all that. That really wouldn't be loving that little kid, would it? We can say we love the perpetrator, but we also say he deserves justice because of what he's done. Because we also love the little kid. And in that context, justice means protecting the child. So you can't just say love and not have judgment. Now, we don't like to talk about that. But there is a judgment to come for every human being. One day, every single one of us is going to face God in the judgment. And when we do, we can't depend on our mom, our dad, our best friend, our church, our pastor, or anybody else. We can't say, hey, I belong to Dallas First Church and Tom Foster is my pastor. If you do say that, the Lord might say, well, I'll have to ask Pastor Foster what he knows. Ask him to give an account. But at the end of the day, it's going to be your responsibility. 
Nobody can talk you in or out of heaven. The best lawyer or the best pastor of the world can't slip you by because God is a God of justice. So if you're going to know God, you're going you're to believe in judgment and justice. He said, and I'm the God of righteousness. So see, that's why we are a holiness church. We're not legalistic. We don't think we can save ourselves by rules and regulations and doing certain things and don't doing certain things. That's not how we're saved. We're saved by the grace of God. But we also understand God is righteous. So if we want to have fellowship with God, if we want to be God's people, if we want to do the work of God, we, gotta, we must follow God's plan. We, got, we follow God's advice for our life. And he, he has ways that we're supposed to relate to one another. There, there are things that he says we should and shouldn't do. And holiness will change the way we talk. It'll change the way we dress. It will change what we read. It will change what we watch. It changes what we do online. It changes our whole life. Because now we're trying to follow the righteousness of God. And if you feel like God is not righteous or he doesn't care about righteousness or holiness doesn't matter, then you don't really know God. Now God is a God of great love and mercy. So a lot of Times we do stuff and other people do stuff, they're still blessed. And we say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. But just think about this. In the end, righteousness will prevail. See, God is a God of justice and righteousness. So whatever happens now, if good people get persecuted and have bad things happen, and evil people get blessed seemingly and great things happen to them, and you say, wow, I just need to be an immoral person. I just need to live it up and enjoy everything because look at all these people doing everything they want some of these are church people some people they talk in tongues and God answers prayer and they still do whatever they want well that's because God's merciful loving kindness he's trying to reach people God responds to faith wherever he finds it God honors his word wherever it's preached in whatever form so yeah there are a lot of churches and Christians that may not be doing God's will but God is blessing them because that's the kind of God he is but since he's also God of justice and righteousness, think about this. In the end, righteousness will always prevail. So if you have a choice to make, choose righteousness. Choose truth. Choose holiness. It may look like the strict and narrow path now, but if you look at the end result, that's always going to be the right choice because that's the kind of God he is. When you know your God, you understand that. Always choose the side of truth, no matter how unpopular it may be. Always choose the side of righteousness, no matter how much you may be ridiculed. Always choose the side of holiness, no matter how much it may seem to be a sacrifice in the short term. Because if you know your God, that's the kind of God he is. In the very end, the righteousness will prevail. Truth will prevail. God's word will stand forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word stands forever. Let God be true, but every man a liar. I'm here to tell you, trust in the Lord. Trust in his word. Obey his word, and you'll come out all right in the end. People who know God. Let me tell you the effects of knowing God, not just knowing about God. My wife and I were in Turkey last fall. Turkey's a Muslim country, but it allows quite a bit of freedom of religion. So we have a number of churches that operate in Turkey. And uh, 
neighboring country is Iran, which has been in the news quite a bit. Iran is a very strict theocracy, tightly controlled Islamic dictatorship. You have to follow Islam in every way. Well, a lot of people have fled Iran, have come into Turkey as refugees, have come into our churches. We have a lot of Iranian converts there. We also have a lot of people in Iran that watch our services on the Internet in their language. And they receive the Holy Spirit in their homes. And to get baptized in Jesus' name, they cross the border, contact us. We baptize them in Jesus' name. We send them back to their country after their vacation is over. So it's a spiritual vacation. So anyway, we were in Istanbul. We met this young Iranian man. He had an amazing testimony. My wife recorded it. He was a professor at a university in Iran. But as he studied Islam, he found it was full of contradictions and holes, so he lost faith. And since that was the only religion he knew, he decided there must not be any God at all. He became an atheist. Well, in his speaking, he let some things slip. The authorities figured out that he had lost faith. They arrested him, put him in prison. Then they allowed him to be under house arrest for two years. And during that time, he made a decision to escape. In the meantime, his mother had come to Turkey. She had gotten one in one of our churches, got saved, and she was begging him to come to Turkey. So he hired a smuggler to bring him across the border. The smuggler brought him to the border in the middle of the woods, took his money, and then left. So for about a month, he was wandering in the woods trying to find food, trying to find a safe way to cross the heavily guarded border. He found other people like him, and eventually... They figured out a place, and they were able to escape, cross the border. Of course, when they got into Turkey, they were arrested for being illegal immigrants, and they were put in jail again. He applied for refugee status. They finally let him go. He was able to meet his mom, and his mom said, you have to come to church. Amen. So this is what he told me. He said, I made a list of 50 questions that the pastor would have to answer of how, why I should believe in God. He had, I had 50 reasons why God doesn't exist. And so he said, I was going to make, uh, confront that pastor and say, okay, I've got 50 questions and you're going to have to explain them to my satisfaction if you expect me to believe in God. So he walks in our church and he says, Brother Bernard, when I walked inside the room, I felt something I never felt before. He said, tears began flowing down my cheeks. I'm wondering, what's going on? Then he said, I realized it's the presence of God. For the first time in my life, I felt the presence of God. He said, Brother Bernard, at that moment, all 50 questions were answered. He was baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost. That's what happens when a people, of, a group of people know God. Not just having a Bible study about God, but worshiping God, inviting his presence. People who know God will rise up and do mighty deeds. One more story. This is closer to home, Austin, Texas. Last fall, the church that we started, Pastor Rodney Shaw is there now. I preached for him in September, and he told me a story that happened that very day. There was a man who was a Buddhist for 23 years in Austin. He would meditate, as is the custom of Buddhism. But 
Some months back, he encountered evil spirits in his meditation. Shocked him, scared him. But apparently he was hungry for God. Probably like Saul of Tarsus, fighting against God, but yet in his heart he wanted to know the truth. So God honored that and one night gave him a dream. And in the dream, a woman in white clothing, perhaps an angel, appeared to him and spoke and said, Jesus Christ is your Savior. What you need to overcome is Jesus. He woke up from that dream determined to go to a Christian church. He didn't know what to go to. He found a large non-denominational church in our area. I know the church well. They, they theoretically teach that you can receive the Holy Spirit speaking tongues, but they don't really have services that are conducive to that. The reason why I know is we had some people come and, uh, from there to our church, and they wanted to receive the Holy Ghost, and they did. And uh, they said, well, yeah, we were referred to the other church. We said, we want to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and that other church said, well, you need to go down to New Life. They know how to pray with people to receive the Holy Ghost. Then you can receive the Holy Ghost, and you can come back to our church. But after they received the Holy Ghost, they didn't really want to go back. But Anyway, so I knew that story. They weren't against the Holy Ghost, but neither was that their emphasis. So he went there for six months as, as a Buddhist trying to become a Christian, not knowing anything, trying to find Jesus. He went six months to this large, successful, non-denominational church of thousands of people, but he couldn't find the reality. He started talking around. Finally, someone had mercy on him and said, you know what? You probably need a Pentecostal church. <laughs> so he Googled Pentecostal Church Austin. He found New Life, which is our church. Of course, we have many churches in Austin now, but that, that's the one we started, the, the large one. And so here's what he told Pastor Shaw. When I walked in the doors of the church, I knew this is what I'm looking for. This is it. That night, he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When he came up out of the water, Pastor Shaw laid hands on him. He began speaking miraculously in a language he never learned. That's called speaking in tongues. That is the sign that the Holy Spirit has come inside. From a Buddhist, 23 years, to baptize in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost in one day. Why? Because there were some people who know their God, some people who know how to pray, people who know how to entertain the presence of God, and you're in that environment today. Would you stand, church? You're here in Dallas First Church. We're not a perfect church. We're no better than you. We're human beings with our faults and failures just like you. We have temptations and struggles just like you. Sometimes we fail, but if we do, we ask God to forgive us, but we also can testify. We know God. He's real. He loves us. We're filled with His Spirit. He will give us power. We can live a holy life. We can overcome sin. We can do the will of God. Everyone stand. People who know God. Would you close your eyes with me? And I'm going to turn this back over to the music team, to Pastor Foster, whatever. But I want to give this appeal. You're in a place where we honor the one true and living God. We know him as our father. He came in flesh as a son of God. We know him as the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts. But we know that the way, the name that accesses the fullness of the Godhead the name of salvation is the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one true God manifest in the flesh. We know him as a God of love and mercy.
but we also know him as God of truth, justice, righteousness. So how do we reconcile those two things? Well, since we have sin in our lives, we come to repent and say, God, forgive me of my sins. That's how we face God's justice. And then once we've repented, we begin to worship. You know, say, I surrender to you. I love you. I want to be filled with your spirit. And then we're ready to receive God's love. Justice and mercy come together as we repent of our sins. As we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away our sins. As we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're flooded with both the righteousness and love of God at the same time. That's what can happen to you today. If you'd like to come and repent of your sins, or maybe you've already done that, but you'd like to come and receive God's Spirit to dwell in you. Would you do that right now? Just step out to the front, kneel here, and talk to the Lord just like I'm talking. You don't have to have a special language. You just have to be real and sincere. Say, God, forgive me. Oh, God, I surrender. Lord, I want you. I need you. I want a new beginning. I want a new life. I want your power. I want to know you. I, it's not enough to know about you. I want to have a personal relationship with you. And, and maybe you're a faithful member of the church, but if you have a special need today, why don't you come? You know God. It's time to act upon your faith. It's time to call upon Him. If you need a miracle, if you need healing, if your family needs an intervention from God, if you need God to supply an urgent request, why don't you come? And maybe others would like to come and help these who are praying. And maybe all of us should just take a few minutes, still early, why don't we all begin to pray wherever we are? We know God. But it's not enough to know Him. We must call upon Him in faith right now. Let's call on the name of Jesus. Oh, there's a powerful presence of God here today. Do you see what's going on, folks? This is an opportunity. You're in a place where people know God. You're in the presence of a holy God. Let's call upon Him today. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this has greatly blessed you. If you'd like to contact us for more information or for a Bible study, please visit us at DallasFirstChurch.com. We especially want to thank those of you who support this ministry financially. It's because of you that we're able to continue to spread the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. If you would like to give right now, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description or by going to dallasfirstchurch.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a Sunday service. God bless you.